Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I am blessed to know that you are listening to this program. Listen, I pray that your new year is going well and that the purposes of God are active in your life and just really, you know, have such a a passion, especially as we are still in the first month of 2024. Um, Time's already gone fast. Today, as I'm recording this, it's already January the 24th, so Christmas was literally about a month ago, which is hard to believe, but you know, the old saying, the older you get, the faster time goes. Um, now that I'm in my mid-50s, I actually believe that. However, I also know that because of that, um, it's really incumbent upon us to make the most of every, really, minute, every day, every week, every year that we have in the Lord. And our responsibility is great. The Lord has called us as His people to be salt and to be light He's called us to make disciples of the nations. And, you know, I I don't know about you, but my passion at this stage in life is not just having a program, um, not just preaching, not just writing books, um, those type of things. But really, my, my passion is to see Jesus glorified through making disciples. And I just want to encourage you, especially if you're a leader or even if you're just someone that's been walking with the Lord for a season. And really, on, on a certain level, every one of us are called to leadership. We're all called to lead people to Christ. We're all called to to lead in the business place or the, the the marketplace, whether that be, you know, in retail or maybe you own a business, maybe you work at a store, whatever it is, we're all called to lead by example of our walk with God. Some of us are called to what they call the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, but whatever your calling is in life, wherever you are at right now in life, friend, it is, um, it's important that we make disciples. So let me just encourage you with that today. That's just kind of heavy on my heart. And I'm, I find myself um, more and more pulled into that realm and feeling more and more of the weight of the responsibility to reproduce the kingdom of God in others by leading them to Jesus through my walk with God. And you know, I've I've shared this before on this program. When I was a young teenager, I got radically saved at the age of 15. Um, that was in January of 1985. Later that year, the fall of that year, I met my in-laws, my mother-in-law and father-in-law. 
And, you know, I have to say that they really mentored me, but they didn't just teach me to preach and study, and even though that was part of it, but they really invited me into their walk with God, which was so foundational, so paramount in my life. And, you know, my wife and I, we started pastoring our first church at the age of 19, which is very young. But I know the only reason that was even possible was because my in-laws effectively mentored and discipled me. So, hey, I'm going to stop talking about this, but I feel like it's something that's on the heart of the Lord, and I'll never completely quit talking about it. So let me just encourage you to disciple somebody. You know, maybe you say, I'm not I'm not called to preach. I don't have a theological degree. I've never been to Bible college. Friend, that, that doesn't matter. Do you know Jesus? Do you love him? Are you walking with him? Are you a person of prayer? Are you in the scripture? Um, I mean, those are the qualifications that we walk with Jesus, not that we know everything, not that we can teach on pneumatology and soteriology and eschatology and all these things that, you know, some of us study when we go to college or seminary, but what matters is do we know him? And if you know him and you have a testimony, friend, you're qualified to disciple someone. So, be faithful to make disciples. Amen. Well, listen, this series that I've been doing the last couple of weeks is entitled First Priorities. This is part three. We might finish today. We might have one more that we'll do next week. But, you know, I've been talking about prioritizing our walk with God. Um, you know, the name of our, our program is Maintain the Flame. And I, I take that from Leviticus, where the, the priest in the Old Testament were commanded to never let the flame of God go out on the altar. And I believe it is a picture of our walk with God, that we should maintain the flame of God. What does that mean? That we are passionate about Him, that we we maintain our first love experience with him that we don't allow the distractions and the the things of this world to to clutter or to cloud out our our heart for him and our our love and our thirst and hunger for him so therefore as people of god we have to very deliberately make sure that the fire is burning in our lives now i will tell you in 35 plus, almost 38 years of serving the Lord, um, you know, there have been seasons where maybe the fire grew a little dimmer. By the grace of God, I don't, I can't say that I, I ever remember it ever completely going out. But, but, but I've learned that there are some key fundamental things that help us to maintain the flame of God in our hearts. Or, again, we're talking about first priorities. So, what does it mean to prioritize? things that are connected to our walk with Jesus, our passion with Him, as well as the mandate upon our lives, as I said earlier already, that, that we're called to make disciples. And listen, how can we make disciples if we are not disciples ourselves, if we are not students or pupils of Jesus Christ, following Him, loving Him, receiving from Him, allowing everything that's powerful and beautiful and holy and pure in his life, in his makeup to become who we are. If we're not doing that, then 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 we live a life, I believe, far short of what God has called us to live. Now, understand there's trials. Understand there's battles I've been through. And we're going through a situation now. I have a special needs grandson uh, named Jude. Maybe some of you have heard of him. And, you know, he was born 
10, almost 10 years ago with a very rare form of dwarfism. It's called rhizomelic chondrodysplasia punctata, big name. Um, to make it easy, we just call it RCDP, but it's a very rare form of dwarfism, and it's considered a terminal condition. Most of these kids cannot even live outside of the womb, and then, you know, many of them die shortly after birth, and, you know, if they live even for a couple of years, five years, that's like a long-term survivor, and they only know of maybe 60 or 70 in the entire world, and, you know, these kids, some of them were born, but usually, you know, we see a few of these, these beautiful children pass away each year, and we have a grandson that has this condition. He's 10 years old, and he was hospitalized yesterday with um, some challenges. He has some open wounds due to bed sores, and he's battling kidney stones. And, you know, he's 10 years old and weighs about 18, 19 pounds. So he's very small with this form of dwarfism, and it's challenging. I mean, it's it's actually when he was born, I mean, it was very, um, very challenging. But I have to tell you, that in the midst of this battle that we've walked through for 10 years, and now, you know, he hadn't been in the hospital for a while, but he's in a pretty serious condition right now with high fever, and we're believing for a miracle even today. If you're hearing this, please pray for him and believe that that the Lord would heal Jude or that he would even use the doctors and give them wisdom and, you know, however he wants to do it. But, but most of all, the Jew would be radically healed and raised up and he can come home soon. But, you know, as we've walked through this journey with him, um, there have been times in my humanity that I've been a little weak and that I've been a little um, doubtful and that I've even questioned God. And I'll tell you, God can handle those type of questions. But I'll also tell you this. In the midst of this trial, I have found that the goodness, the love, the grace, the presence of the Lord is here, and it's there for you too. And even though we do walk, as David said, through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, Lord, you're you're with me. Thou art with me. So my friend, um, you know, it's not always easy. Matter of fact, the the Bible is clear that, that, that Paul the Apostle says that they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And what it's, That means that if you stand for truth, you're going to be persecuted because of the gospel. So I know that has a little different context than maybe dealing with um, you know, a, a physical condition like my grandson. But the bottom line is this. Um, we are in a fallen world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. Our citizenship is in another place. However, Currently, we are earthbound. At the same time, we are seated with Christ, according to Paul and Ephesians, in heavenly places. And we've got to prioritize that reality. In other words, there is a supernatural level of grace that derives from deep intimacy with the Lord that's available to every believer. But my friend, you've got to walk in it. You've got to maintain your walk with God. You can't just allow yourself to... um to dissipate or to to wither spiritually. I, I remember one preacher um, said years ago, many years ago, 20-something years ago, I heard him, and he was like, you know what? He said, the reality is we all leak. Therefore, we need to have a fresh infilling of the Lord every day. And, you know, it's kind of a comical thing to think of, but basically what he's saying is we need to renew our mind with the Word of God every day. We need to build the fire and keep it going and even let it get hotter and higher through spending time in prayer, through intimate relation and communication with the Lord every single day. It's not a a one-time fix or quick fix. No, friend, this is life and death. This is reality. This is what we're called to. And I want to tell you that there are many people that never prioritize their walk with God. And the only time they reach out to Him is if they're challenged or maybe they need a miracle in their body or in their marriage 
marriage or in their finances or their children or grandchildren. And listen, um, I'm telling you that prioritizing your walk with God is foundational. It is it is important. It is paramount to everything else in your life. And everything will flow from that and through that. Um, I remember hearing a message years ago called Father Filtered. In other words, there's nothing that you go through that he does not understand. It's Father Filtered. Matter of fact, Hebrews says we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot be touched or impacted by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted the way we are yet he had no sin in his life. So in other words, there's nothing that you go through that Jesus has not felt, and, and he's even felt worse, of course, through the the crucifixion, through the scourging, through the betrayal, I mean, all that he went through. And we've, you know, some of us have been through great challenges, and I understand that. But listen, everything's father-filtered, and the Lord will not let you go through more than you can bear. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes. These are powerful realities that we must embrace, but we embrace those not because we can quote those scriptures. We embrace those because we prioritize our walk with God. So, you know, the last couple of weeks I've, I've read Matthew or quoted Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So my friend, we have a responsibility. Understand that we're saved by grace through faith alone. There's nothing we can add to salvation. However, because we are born again, we are called to pursue him, to walk with him. If you seek me, he said, you will find me. Um, there's a, a, an old church father by the name of Bernard, and, and, and Bernard of Clairvaux said, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionists, but made happy through experience by children of the burning or with burning hearts. I, I paraphrase that, but that's basically what he said. And the context there is you don't just get saved and that's it, friend. There is an ongoing, progressive, evolving, developing, revelatory walk with God that we are called to, and you find out that there's no end to Jesus. There's no end to his love. There's no end to his mercy. There's no end to his power. There's no end to his holiness. There's no end to his virtue, his transcendency. He is amazing, and he invites us to walk with him, to know him, but we've got to prioritize. We've got to seek first the kingdom of God. So let me just stop right here and ask the question, what is your top priority in life? Now, it, it's easy to say, well, the Lord, of course, is my priority. And I believe on a certain level, that's probably true for a lot of people. Um, however, when we look at our course of life, our daily activities, our weekly agendas, our schedules, does that reflect the fact that God is the priority of our lives, that seeking him is our first priority? Or can we look at our lives and say, hey, you know what? Um, I love the Lord a lot, but you know, I'm also very committed to this hobby or to this sport or to my career or to this and that. And listen, I understand that we work and we have time restraints and we have family and all the things that we do. And I'm not even saying it's wrong to have a hobby. I have a couple myself. However, I will say this. We prioritize what we value. 
and we make time for usually for what we value. So that's why, you know, in um, Luke um, 12, 34, I've, I've quoted this the last couple of weeks as well. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is your heart today, friend? Where's your passion? What drives you? I mean, I know you love the Lord, many of you, and probably most of you listen to this love the Lord. Maybe a lot of you are even leaders and maybe pastors or missionaries or, you know, maybe Christian business people, or or maybe you've just served the Lord for a long time. And I know you love the Lord, but there's there's a different level of of love as as you know the word love in the greek has many different meanings and and there's this agape love that we're called to this this depth of the deep of us calling out to the deep of god incessantly without stop and friend that's the priority of our life so so we've talked about several things over the last few weeks, and and I wanted to read a quote that I ended with last week, and then I want to just begin to kind of share some practical points as far as how do we maintain a life that is prioritized by seeking the Lord and prioritized through a real devotional lifestyle that we have into the Lord. But listen to what St. Augustine said, or Augustine, whatever you want to say it, whoever has Christ in his heart so that, listen, no earthly or temporal things, so that no earthly or temporal things, not even those that are legitimate and allowed or preferred to him, has Christ as a foundation. But if these things be preferred, then even though a man seems to have faith in Christ, yet Christ is not the foundation to that man. That is powerful. What is he saying? Listen, there are things that we can do that are not sin, they're not ungodly, they're even, I mean, Augustine calls them legitimate. However, his, his, his premise here and the crux of what he's saying is that if these things are preferred, now how do we know that they're preferred? Well, I believe it's pretty simple. Um, how much time do we spend with those things in comparison to the time that we spend with the Lord in prayer, in worship, in His Word, with His, with his children? the body of Christ, and I think it's pretty easy to see. You know, back in the old days, um, and some people still do this, now everything's online, but back in the old days, we kept a checkbook register, and um, maybe some people still do. Those things are all available online now, but anyhow, I remember certain preachers saying, you want to see what people value? Look at their checkbooks, and you can look, and you can see the things that are important to them, whether it's entertainment, whether it's you know clothing, whatever. And again, not that all that's wrong, but what Augustine is saying, if those things are preferred to intimacy with Christ, to walking in a deep relationship with Him, then really those things become idols, even though they might not be sin in and of themselves or even compromise in and of themselves. They can quickly become idols in our lives if they are preferred to our walk with Jesus. So listen, this is ABC 123 Christianity, so to speak. This is not something that most of you have never heard. However, it seems to be the easiest thing for us to fumble the ball in or to compromise in. So therefore, being the first of the year, the first month of 2024, friend, I'm calling myself and I'm calling you back to a life of first priorities, to a life of preferring Jesus above everything. You might say, well, listen, I'm just not there, man. My heart's it. Well, listen, here's what I found. If we deliberately push into the things of God, what I mean by that? Listen, 
My flesh has never wanted to pray. However, when I press beyond my Adamic nature, my hesitancy, my laziness or lethargy that comes through my flesh nature, and I press into the Spirit, there is a dynamic of prayer that takes place. There's a dynamic of experience, the Lord, that takes place. And it's not just my human energy or lack thereof, but there's an inwrought force that begins to pray through me like a Romans 8 at times experience where the Holy Spirit, because I'm in tune with the Spirit of God, because I'm one with Christ, because Christ lives in me. I can say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. Now Christ lives in me. And as a result, the depth of prayer, the depth of worship, the depth of, int- depth of intimacy becomes very, very real in my life. But I've got to prioritize that. It doesn't just happen automatically. I've got to prioritize my walk with the Lord. So, so hey, listen, here, just want to share what I'm going to call non-negotiable priorities. And we will probably have to go one more session or one more episode on this or program. But listen, number one, we must initiate and sustain a devotional life or habit. In other words, a, a first love experience. You know, Revelation 2, verses 1 through 5, of course, the Lord is speaking to the church of Ephesus who was lauded and applauded for many, many good things. And they were really um, revered on a certain level, even by the Lord, by their faithfulness and their refusal to receive false apostles and false doctrine. However, he said, I have something against you. I have this against you. You have forsaken or you have left your first love. And then he calls them to do what? To repent. And to do the first works over. Many of you are so engaged in so many amazing things. Listen, we're involved all over the place, all around the world. We do travel ministry. We I teach in Bible colleges. I I, um, I write some curriculum for different ministry schools. I write books. I um I, I oversee an apostolic network of leaders. Um, I mean, there's so many things that I'm involved in, but listen to me. I have to be very careful because my business, even doing this program, I do this type of stuff every week. I mean, this stuff, if I'm not careful, can take precedent over my walk with God. So the Lord says to the church of Ephesus, repent and do your first works. Come back to your first love experience. You say, is it that simple, friend? It's that simple, but it's that profound. In other words, there's nothing that's ever going to take the place of that. You're never going to outgrow that place spiritually. Why? Because that is the place. That is the foundation. That is the the depth and the height of your walk with God. And without that, um, you can do all the good works. And I'm not saying that lives aren't touched and changed. I'm sure they are. But how sad would it be for you to, to be so effective at reaching others, but you are neglecting Christ yourself. So, so again, this is, um, listen, there's, there's like a kingdom tension here. And that tension is that we know we're called to good works and we're called to, to produce fruit. But at the same time, we are more so called to walk with Jesus and to know him in a priestly way. In other words, that we would minister unto him as the priest did before we ever minister to the people. So listen, we can't compromise in this devotional habit or routine or lifestyle. If we do, then really we we learn um, to kind of operate and learn behavior patterns, whether that be 
preaching or teaching or just kind of putting on a Christian face and using Christian languages and going to Christian events and da 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 without no depth of, of walking with God. So this is very serious, very important. Prioritize this devotional life or habit or lifestyle. Embrace your first love. You see, oftentimes, um, you know, we find ourselves compromising the secret place in exchange, like I said, for Christian activity. So um, this is so important. Let me let me let me share this with you. Um, this is like a little devotional pattern. Again, sometimes this is good for some people. Some people don't like doing this, but I think it can help. It can kind of focus your attention and your heart and even your time in such a way that you'll grow in the Lord. So here, here's something I like. I When it comes to a daily devotional lifestyle, number one, or letter A, I'll say that. This is number one, but A, one A is offer up thanksgiving and praise. In other words, offering up yourself to the Lord is a good way to have a devotional lifestyle. Um, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgivings and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Number one, we praise him for who he is and for what he has done. Um, Number two, we present our bodies to God. Paul said your body is a living sacrifice. Number three, we can sing unto the Lord. Number four, we can pray and even sing in the Spirit. So there's something about entering the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving. I I never start a prayer time by saying, oh God, I need you, unless there's such a desperate situation like a, a sickness unto death or something like that. But usually when I'm talking about spending time with the Lord, I like to enter into His presence with praise, with thanksgiving, with adoration, um, just even proclaiming how beautiful, how holy, how righteous, how glorious he is, and saying that he is worthy, worthy, worthy. And something supernatural happens whenever you do that, friend. You, you enter into a place of holy fear in the sense that you have an awe of God, which is a healthy place. It's, it's like home plate. It's where everything starts. It's where everything begins. So let me encourage you. Um, maybe you're struggling in prayer. Maybe you're struggling to have a devotion life. Well, listen, offer thanksgiving, offer praise. You might spend 30 minutes doing that or maybe five minutes, whatever. It doesn't matter the time so much, but it just matters. And I think it's a good pattern, especially for those that are really trying to prioritize this first love experience with the Lord. So that's that's letter A. Um, letter B I think confess, confession and cleansing. In other words, offering up your heart. Invite God to search you. Psalm 139, 23, and 24, the psalmist says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I think that's important, friend, that we ask the Lord. Listen, I don't live in condemnation. But repentance is not just something that we do when we first get saved. Listen, I sometimes I'll repent because maybe something I've seen, maybe even driving down an interstate and maybe see something on a billboard that, you know, I don't need to be looking at. And my, I ask the Lord, wash my mind, purify my mind. Maybe a fault comes through my mind. Not that I'm in condemnation, but I just, I have a pattern, Lord, 
purify me, wash me. Lord, if there's anything that I've said or if I've been untowards towards my wife or my grandkids or someone at it, whatever it is, and again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that things happen in our lives. We live in a fallen world, but ask the Lord to cleanse us. Then ask him to set a guard on your thoughts and even on your mouth. Psalm 19, 14, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my Redeemer, maybe you have problems with your mouth. <laughs> you know, James says that the tongue is set on fire of hell. Out of the same mouth becomes blessing and cursing. These things should not be. So, hey, listen, I, I'm coming down to the end of my time here. And I'll, I'll pick this up and do one more episode on first priorities. But I pray that you've been encouraged today, that you've been challenged today. And listen, keep us in prayer. Um, this weekend I'll be preaching in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Then I've got a lot of other trips coming up. Visit our websites, keithcollins.net or impactgf.org. On both of those sites, you can find our books. You can help support our ministry. Please keep us in prayer and let us hear from you. If you have a prayer request or even a theological question, we would love to hear from you. God bless you, and I'll be back again next week with part four of First Priorities. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.